now we come time to the reading of God's Word. Uh, there'll be a Bible there in the chair back in front of you, as well as the verse will appear on the screen. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 122 and verse number 1 this evening. Psalm 122 and verse number 1. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 122 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this great day you've already given to us here in church and a time of uh, fellowship and a time to worship you. Is the passage of scripture that Andy led us in reading. And of course, it's from David, a man after God's own heart. And we started last week on this thought, winning at what matters most. Primarily putting our affection towards those things that are spiritual. Let's pray. We'll jump right in. Lord, help us guide, direct our words, our thoughts. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, impress upon my heart that which would be honoring and pleasing to you and that you'd see fit. Lord, bring uh, a correction in our lives where needed, challenge, and Lord, comfort. I pray your will would be accomplished. And God, help us to be obedient to it, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Chronicles 29.3, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. That's where our affection needs to be. By the way, you being here on a Sunday night, it's pretty clear. That's why I said I'm not beating you up. And if you, if you feel that way, then I apologize. Now, if the Holy Spirit's convicted you, I'm very happy about that. But I'm not, I'm not here to beat you up. On a Sunday night, this time of year, you're doing well to be here, and I'm grateful for it. And I realize many people are traveling, many people people working and otherwise providentially hindered, can't be in the Lord's house. But it's important that we set our affection towards that which is spiritual. First thing we mentioned last week, and I'm going to run right through this, a proper place for our, our possessions. And that is, uh, boy, that goes right in line with what we've already said, so I won't, I won't belabor the point. And then a proper place for God's blessing. David it was who said, um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I, I want God's favor. I want God's blessing. And one of, the, one of the ways to secure that is by being faithful to that which is important to God. And God's house is important to Him. He loved the church, the Bible says, so much so that He gave Himself for it. So proper place for our possessions, proper, proper place for God's blessing. And then uh, the third thing, notice this verse, Psalm 26, 8. I, Lord, I have loved the habitation of Thy house and the place where Thine honor dwelleth. So the third thought is this, a proper place to give him preeminence. <clears throat> we live in a culture where church has been minimized, and it's really become optional, even to a lot of people who profess to be Christians. And again, you're here tonight, so this is not necessarily to beat us up. But it is, it is concerning to us how the church, at alarming rate, in fact, uh, I was talking to um, Sean before the service, and he said, man, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to book meetings for a church and uh, for, for a missionary to come. And one of the biggest reasons is because churches, many of them have canceled their midweek services. A lot of churches have canceled their, canceled their Sunday night services. Uh, and, and I'm not beating anybody up for that. But I'll tell you what's happening. Church is losing its prominence in our culture. It's really not a big deal. And a lot, a lot of good people are doing good things, but they're doing them in the place of God's house. They're instead of church, it, it's kind of like church, you know, I, I'm saved and I'm grateful that I am, and, but you know, I could kind of take it or leave it. 
And it's a dangerous thing when the people who profess to be children of God take that approach to God's house. I guarantee, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, with the election, less than half the people who are registered to vote actually vote every year. And I always encourage you to vote. I think you ought to vote. Vote for people who stand for biblical principles, particularly the protection of the unborn. That's a, that's a no-brainer. But even beyond that, there's a lot of people that you'll meet in the regular routine of life who say, yeah, I'm saved, or I'm a Christian, or I profess to be, have some measure of faith in my life. Do you go to church? Well, I was, I was talking to a guy, I think it was yesterday. My wife and I were out visiting yesterday afternoon, but I, I think it was yesterday. It might have been Friday. But anyway, and uh, so I asked the guy, I said, uh, I said, where do you go to church? And he, he, <laughs> Laura was with me. It was yesterday. That's right. It was yesterday. Laura was with me. So I asked the guy, I said, where do you go to church? And he couldn't remember the name. Now, if you, can, if you can't remember the name of the church that you go to, then you, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking maybe you don't go. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I would struggle for a moment to remember the name of the doctor that I see because I've seen him once since we moved here, okay? So, so I'm going to kind of put that on the same parallel, and I'll think of his name in a moment. I'll throw it out there, and it'll make no sense whatsoever, but boom, it'll hit me. But this guy asked me, I said, so where do you go to church? And he, he's, and he struggled around there, and I, I wasn't trying to make him feel bad, but he said he went to church, and, you know, I don't try to get people from another church, but, but, he, but he couldn't recall the name of it. And in our culture today, that is becoming the norm. In fact, you guys are all abnormal. Some of you knew that already, right? Because you're in the Lord's house. Because we, and some of you didn't get that. I wasn't picking on you. I'm just saying, it is, it is not the norm anymore. And, and you have to understand what God thinks about his church. I think one of the reasons why God looked at David and said he was a man after his own heart is because he said, I was glad when they said to us, let's go in the house of the Lord. He understood what church meant. And he said, so much so that I've set it as a place of high priority. Church is not a take it or leave it. But in our culture, we've, we've emphasized so many things that are not necessarily bad. For instance, there's nothing wrong with youth sports. I played sports all the way through school. But I'll tell you what, Andy, I think you've shared your story already here since you've been here. Have you told the one about your mom coming and yanking you off the pitcher's mound? And, uh, and that was a midweek service, right? Do I remember that right? And his mom came out while he was pitching in the game. He was a star pitcher, and he's throwing a, a great game, and he comes out there, and his mom told him he, he had to leave early enough to be at midweek service, and he didn't. And so his mom marches onto the field while he's on the mound and grabs him and yanks him off the field. Did she grab you by your ear? The back, you know, that hair back there that really hurts grabbed him like that in front of his teammates and took him off the field. Why? Anything wrong with baseball? Not a thing wrong with baseball. But she was showing to him that day how important church was. And what's happened in our culture is we've, we're doing a lot of good things. So I'm not against sports. You guys know that. I mean, I'm a sports nut. I mean, really. If, if there's a ball being thrown or tossed or caught... And I don't care who it is, I'll watch them. And I'll pick someone to start cheering for. I mean, this is me. I love sports. Nothing wrong with it. But when those things begin to take the preeminence in our life, the house of God suffers. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I've talked to so many people on any given week who tell me how much church means to them. You demonstrate tonight how much church means to, to you by being here. 
David understood that it was a proper place to give him the preeminence. May I read further? Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And notice this, and to inquire in His temple. The Bible tells us uh, further, I think it's in the Song of Solomon. It's not Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote it. It's in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon talks about how to behave thyself in the house of the Lord. It says, be thou more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. In other words, when we come into God's house, we should always expect to hear from Him. And I think David knew that when I went to church, I expected to get something. And by the way, it doesn't matter who's preaching, it doesn't matter what message is preached, it doesn't matter what text is read, what songs are sung. You and I should always come here with a sense of expectation. Because God knew you were coming, and it's not like God is scratching his head and, oh, they came, I wasn't expecting them, and I don't have a thing for them. It, God doesn't work that way. God knew you were going to be here on this new night. He knew this family was going to be with us as missionaries. He knew that song was going to be sung by those young ladies. He knew the offertory. He knew everything. God knew that long, long time ago. That's just, that's God. That's God's omniscience. And so when we come to church, always understand this, God has something for me. Now, sometimes we don't want to receive it. It's like going to your doctor and your doctor tells you something. And I remember, I did, you know, going to the doctor and the doctor saying, hey, you got to quit. <laughs> I, gave, I passed out Little Debbie's this morning. So if you weren't here, you missed out on Little Debbie's. Um, I, you all know what Little Debbie snacks are, right? Okay, they're from the South. Hallelujah. And so they know. And so last week I was using Little Debbie snacks in an illustration, and I, I marveled at how many people said, what are Little Debbie snacks? And, you know, I, so we had revival this morning. We handed out Little Debbie snacks. Oatmeal cream pies, Nutty Buddy bars, and Swiss cake rolls. And if you didn't get one, uh, you missed it. Um, but anyway, so we handed those out this morning. And, you know, so, so when I went to the doctor a few years ago, and he told me I had a little bit of a, a blockage, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it was just your artery, right? Um, but it really, it was, it was very minor. It wasn't like, you know, what the one they call the Widowmaker and all those kind of things. But, it, but he told me, he said, you got a couple options here. And I could have looked at him and said, you know, I don't believe you. Why, he's showing me the picture on there, that little squiggly line there, you know, and here's this little thing, and, you know, your blood's got to go through there. If it doesn't go through there, it causes a problem. And, you know, so he said, here are your options. Now, I had a choice. You know, I, well, yeah, but that's not going to happen to me. And a lot of times we go to church, we take that approach. And so he, he gave me some meds, and I didn't like the meds at all. I took them for a week, and I remember I tell my wife, I said, these things are awful. And so I called the doctor, and I said, look, I don't want to take these meds. And so he said, well, there are some options. He said, if you don't want to do meds, he said, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to get real strict about some things in your life. I said, tell me what they are. And he told me, he gave me a list. And so you know what I did? I started doing everything he told me. And, uh, you, you know, I haven't had trouble like that since then. But, uh, man, I remember, I remember all of that. But, you know, that doctor, he was trained to diagnose and tell me what I needed to do. Better than that, to a far greater degree, an impact in eternity, every time you come to church, the great physician speaks to your heart. You may not always like what he says. He may tell you, hey, you need to get this in order. He may tell you there's a strained relationship in your, in your marriage or in your workplace or siblings or whatever it might be. He might tell you there's a problem in your life and your relationship with God. He may tell you there's a problem with your, your, your money and you're not tithing, you're, you're robbing from God. He could tell you any number of things. And you may not want to hear it, but the fact is, you're sitting here, when you come in here, sometimes why it's uncomfortable, it's like when you're at the doctor's office and they put you up on that chair with butcher block paper. 
I don't know what all that is about, but you get on that paper and it's not comfortable. It's making all kinds of cracking noise and you're trying to get comfortable, right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at me like you have no idea. Well, you need to see the doctor because they still, right? They still do that. And you sit on that thing and you're thinking, what in the world am I on this? Why do you got that? But anyway, so there you are. And then he tells you. You can argue. And to be honest with you, every time we come to church, a lot of people leave and ignored everything that God said to them. And God can be very direct and very pointed. And when he does, we got a decision to make. And and David said, when I come to God's house, one of the things I understand is that I'm inquiring because I want to hear what he has to say. And I appreciate the opinions of good people. But at the end of the day, the only opinion that really matters is God's. You know, you, you've heard me say it, and it's not original for me, but, uh, you know, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, and they all stink. You know, most of them stink anyway. All right? And, and that's, that's how it is kind of in life. But, but when you come to God's house, God says, I have something for you. Are you ready for it? Are you willing to hear? And so when, when the Bible tells us, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, be thou more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. When you come to church... God says, I've got something for you. Are you willing to listen? There's a whole lot that goes into that. The Bible says, a scorner heareth not rebuke. I can remember when I was a young person, when I was a teenager. I'm still very young. But I can remember when I was a teenager, sometimes as my dad would rebuke me. I didn't always take it well. In fact, there were times when I said, I didn't say it to him because I wanted to keep all my teeth. But there were times when I, oh, my dad was not harsh. Don't, don't misunderstand me. My dad was wonderful. I love my dad dearly. But there were times when my dad was correcting me about something, and in my mind, I'm thinking, mm-mm. I remember, I remember thinking in my heart, you don't know. I remember thinking, you're old. I remember thinking that. He was like 40. I'm thinking, you're old. Now I'm way past that. And I, I can remember thinking, you're just not with it. Man, you, wait, I'm smart because, you know, I'm 16. Junior in high school, I, I know so much already. I mean, I'm way past you, Dad, but I didn't say it. I, I'm just kind of, you know. And, and by the way, when you're a teenager, you're, you're, you're pretty dumb, really. You, you, you really are. And it's unfortunate because when, you, when you're at that age, you're making a lot of big decisions, and you're really not smart enough to make them. But, but you have to make them. And that's why God gives you parents and, and, and people in your life, uh, grandparents and, and sources of wisdom and instruction. But I can remember sitting there thinking, Dad, you don't know. I remember when he corrected me about a certain guy that I was hanging around, or friends, and he'd say, you better stay away from that guy. That guy's trouble. And I'm thinking, Dad, you don't know. Of course, the guy wound up in prison for 20 years. So I'm thinking, hey, Dad, you, you weren't so... Now, I didn't say it to my dad, and my dad never threw it in my face. So he just handed me the newspaper article with the guy's picture on him after he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And so I was like, well, okay, you got that one right. And uh, he, he, it was like that often through life. And so sometimes, even though you've been saved for 20 or 30 years, you can be a very immature Christian. Because as God speaks to your heart and He begins to, to bring conviction and correction, a lot of times you say, ah, that's good, that's good. I just, I just don't want to hear that right now. Or, I just don't want to do that right now. Or whatever God is trying to correct, or whenever God is trying to challenge us, or trying to stir our hearts. The fact is, on any given service, some will be moved and some will get nothing out of church. It's very easy to understand that sometimes, sometimes someone can be in a pew or a chair next to you. I started to say pews. That was in the old days when everybody had pews. All right? 
Um, But someone could be in the chair next to you weeping over what God is speaking to them about. And someone right next to them could be on their phone messaging or Instagram or, or checking the score of a ball game. And they're in the same place. They've heard the same songs. They've listened to the same verses that were quoted. They've, they've heard the same message. But why is that? And I'm not throwing off on anybody because I'll be the first to admit I've checked the score on a phone while I have sat in church before. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing smack on you, been there and done that. Okay? Especially when you've got those da-da-da, da-da-da, you know, and that, uh, that ringtone, and he gives an update. And so all of a sudden your phone is buzzing right there, and you think, well, this has to be important because ESPN interrupted me in church. You know, so it's got to be huge. And so there it is, and what am I supposed to do? I can't help it. I just happen to look at it. But the fact is, do we give God the opportunity to send notifications to you? Because, you know, you can, in, you can activate that on your mobile devices, and I don't know how to do all that. Most My girls will usually, you know, show me if, you know, hey, I got this, what I need to do, and, you know, and usually I, I'll give it to them and they can figure it out. But does God have your heart so much that, that there are those notifications? Or have you silenced them? Because I'll download an app sometime and it'll say, do you want to give this person access when you're using the app? Or do you want to give them access all of the time or when you're in the area? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Come on, some of you are looking at me like you have no idea and some of you are honest and you're saying, yeah, I know, I know. You know, like, like Chick-fil-A, all right? And I like their app because you get free food, all right? And so you put that in there and, and you, do you know it'll let you know when you're close? It'll tell you when one's in the area if you want it to. But can you imagine if we did that to the Holy Spirit? If we, if we said to God, notify me when I'm away from you. Notify me when I'm getting cold. Notify me when I should give this person a gospel track. Notify me when I should pray. God, would you, would you notify me? But most of the time, the average Christian, we've turned our phone on silent when it comes to the Holy Spirit working in our heart. And maybe not you tonight, but I'm talking about our Christian culture as a whole. It's changed dramatically. And one of the biggest reasons is we as God's people have allowed it to happen. Long gone are the days, and I'm going to be done here in just a moment, but long gone are the days when I I went to public school. I know it was a long time ago. Every time I say that, yeah, but it was okay. I was in a public school. I can still remember this in high school. I remember having opening assemblies in a public high school where they brought in evangelists who were passing through the town to give a program and share the gospel message. I remember that. I remember walking into my English class and seeing the teacher with a King James Bible on her, dress, on her desk. I remember my, my history teacher had a copy of the Bible on his desk prominently displayed. There's not many places anywhere in this country, including in the Bible Belt, where you'd see that today. What happened? I think a lot of our, our Christians, good people, Not doing bad things, but doing good things in place of the best thing. And David said, well, it's a place of preeminence, God's house is. 
One of the biggest reasons is it's a place where I know he's going to say something to me. I know he's going to speak to me. I love going home. I love going to mom and dad's house. And I know it's not, it's not there and it's been sold and it's not the same and I don't even know who's living there now. But I always knew when I went there, I could talk to my dad. My dad would always have something for me. My dad would give me some advice, some wisdom. And the older I got, the more I appreciated those visits and the more they meant to me. Man, today they mean the world because I don't have that opportunity anymore. But you and I have the opportunity every time we wake up, every day we have, and every chance we have to come to the Lord's house. Whereas David said, it's a place, and that's the one thing that I desired. Think about that with David. Anything he could have had, and he said, I want this one thing. I want to be in God's house because I know it's a place where God can get to me. Don't forsake church. I know you're here tonight, but I'm going to plead with you with everything that is within me as your, as your pastor. Don't get out of church. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed just very, very quickly. Just in way of invitation, and I, I, I won't take long. But if God's spoken to your heart tonight about anything, and it could be anything from the message, it could be something totally independent of that, that the Spirit of God spoke to you about. It could be something from our missionary friends who spoke tonight. Anything at all. If God spoke to you tonight, then without any hesitation, why don't you make your way to the altar right now? You're welcome to pray at your seat if you're not able to get out. But always remember, preaching is an opportunity for God to speak to us, but Man, the invitation is a chance for us to do business with Him. It's a great reminder for us, that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. She'll be done in just a moment. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Thank you.